This episode of The Way Home Podcast is brought to you by the 2017 ERLC National Conference, August 24th through 26th in Nashville, Tennessee. This year's theme is Christ-Centered Parenting in a Complex World. You go to erlc.com slash events for more information. We live in the most connected generation in human history. We can communicate through text message, through Facebook, through messaging apps, through Snapchat, through Twitter, through a variety of ways. And yet, we may be the most lonely generation in human history. What is the difference between online relationships and genuine biblical friendships? Today, we're going to talk with Lisa Jo Baker, the author of a brand new book, Never Unfriended, The Secret to Finding and Keeping Lasting Friendships. Lisa Jo Baker and I will talk about the importance of developing good friendships, why it's difficult to maintain friendships, and why God intended for us to live in community. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Lisa Joe, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me today. So uh, we're going to talk about friendship. Uh, you have this brand new book called uh, Never Unfriended, The Secret to Finding and Keeping Lasting Friendships. And you are also very involved with the Encourage community. So before we, we, we start talking about friendship, can you share a little bit of your journey into, into writing and kind of being part of this community? Sure, I'd love to. Encourage is a community that meets online, that connects, and it's a place where we talk about we share our stories of everyday faith, you know? So sometimes faith looks like Sunday service faith or Bible study faith, but this is like faith when the dishwasher has broken down and there's mm-hmm. a kid screaming and you feel overwhelmed, like everyday faith. How does Jesus meet us in the midst of the everyday? So Encourage is a place we spell with an I-N, encourage.me, and it's a place where we hope women will find themselves among friends, where they can catch their breath in the middle of the everyday and come and remember that Jesus sees us and meets us in the middle of everyday moments that sometimes feel overwhelming. So I have served that community for the last seven years. Mm -hmm. There are women from all over the world, and they come and share their stories of faith and Christ in the midst of what's going on in our everyday moments. So it's a great space, and it has given me this wonderful opportunity to be able to participate in hundreds of conversations with women about friendship. So it's been a great space to learn kind of what's going on in the hearts of women when we think about friendship. So um, do you have a background with writing or uh, is this something you've always enjoyed doing or something you picked up later in life? What's kind of your story? You know, I call myself an accidental author. I always grew up writing and I was actually a lawyer for many years. And so in the legal practice, you write a ton, right? But it's a different style than you used when you're writing books, but a lot of the same skill set. So I didn't grow up aspiring to be an author, but when I became a mom and stumbled on the world of blogging, I realized, wow, goodness, Mm. you know, I can tell my story too. And it was so great to connect with other women who could say, me too, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what my day looked like as well. So out of that grew, you know, almost 10 years now of being online and sharing kind of the crazy moments of what real life looks like for a mom in the trenches. And it's been a beautiful experience of connecting with other women and um, becoming part of an online community that's willing to share what it really looks like behind the scenes in order to encourage other women. You know, I'm, I'm guessing being a lawyer has helped you when you're talking with your kids, right? <laughs> yes. 
Although I feel like some of them, my kids, there's uh, definitely got that lawyer bed for them. <laughs> you're like, Especially the 11 year old. <laughs> my goodness. You're like, we're not in a courtroom right now. I'm your mother. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. I was like, no, uh uh-uh, uh, no, son. That, that logic is not actually going to work for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm from South Africa originally, and I we've lived overseas quite a lot, my husband and I. So, I worked in Ukraine for several years during international human rights law, which was really, really amazing. Mm. But um, it was really interesting to discover that, from God's perspective, that work is just as significant as the work a mom's doing at 2 a.m. with her sick kid. Mm. And it took a few years for God to really impress upon me that He views those as equally important um, from an, an eternal perspective. So, even though the shift might seem like a strange one, I think at heart I'm getting to do the same thing to encourage women in their calling, their work, their lives, whether I was working in human rights law or writing a blog or putting a book out into the world. So I love that I get to encourage women's hearts no matter where I'm serving. One of the incredible things about this Encourage community is just how it's connected women from around the world. You know, we lament a lot the sort of effects of the digital revolution and social media kind of on our world. And and that's something I want to talk with you about in terms of what it does to friendship. But there are really some really positive things, like like being able to bring, for instance, moms together to kind of share their stories and find encouragement, right? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Like, the communities that have formed through Encourage still blow me away. We've hosted book clubs and meetups, and we actually, for three years, did an in-real-life event. So it was a simulcast that you could tune into from home. And we've had encourager groups where there's, you know, community leaders who encourage women in specific areas of their life, whether it's motherhood or as ministry wives or as artists. And, I mean, there are friendships that, you know, to this day have moved from online to in real life, to in real life book clubs, to retreats that were all birthed in this online space. So, yeah, we are big believers that God can use every part of the Internet to build his kingdom and to build community. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's harder to be a Christian wife and mother today than other previous generations or maybe just different challenges uh, that moms and parents are facing today? I don't know if it's harder, but there are definitely unique challenges. (laughs) I think that, you know, when the Bible talks about thou shalt not covet, man, in today's world, we have an entire new galaxies of ways in which to covet. You know, thank Mm. you, Pinterest. Thank you, Instagram and Facebook, for how I can covet my neighbor's house and messy bun and eyeliner application and homeschool routine. You know, like Mm -hmm. I can actually walk up to their window and look through the the window of their lives because of social media and get a close-up picture of how my life, I might imagine, doesn't measure up. So I think... That is 100% more challenging than anything you have to experience. But the, the only people you're comparing yourself to were the people in your town. You know, now I can compare myself to someone, you know, in Italy and uh, have a whole experience of comparison I, I never would have stumbled on before social media. I wonder, too, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, and so just hearing your words, if you could talk to pastors and church leaders, what are some ways that we can encourage uh, the moms and wives in, in our churches or things that we may not realize about them when they come into church? Do you mean related to social media? Well, just in, just overall, you know, um, given some of the pressures that, that moms face and some of the, the things that they're, they're thinking about, you know, when they come into church on Sunday, wh- what are some ways that pastors and churches can create cultures that kind of encourage them in the Lord? You know, for me, I think one of the things I struggled with for years was thinking that somehow, because it's happening just in my home and in my zip code, that the ministry ID there as a mom doesn't count in the same way as if you have a passport 
or a pulpit or a stage. And so a lot of the messaging that I spend time trying to share and that I think would be so wonderful if pastors shared more, too, is that the ministry you do within the four walls of your home is your first and primary mission field. Mm. That what you do there, you are making disciples in literal, life-changing, radical ways. And I always tell um, tell moms, you know, when, when Jesus calls a mother, when Jesus says, follow me to a mother— it's like a one for six deal, you know, depending how many kids she has, because you call a mother and then there's like this whole little line of ducklings behind her following her into whatever he's called her to do. So it's so powerful because our kids will have their first exposure to what it means to follow Christ through how their parents behave and what they invite them into. So I think that there's unfortunately a lie in our culture that women buy into that somehow it's less than what I do at home as opposed to what I do other places. Mm. That just isn't true. Well, if you're a parent like me, you know that your kids are asking pretty difficult questions. Questions about race, questions about gender, questions about sexuality. As parents, how do we answer those questions? Well, the ERLC is hosting a conference this August on Christ-centered parenting in a complex world. We're going to have a variety of voices and experts to speak. Russell Moore, Sally Lloyd-Jones, Jim Daly, Jen Wilkin, Crawford Loritz, Phil Vischer, Nancy Guthrie, Danny Aiken, Lauren Chandler, Eric Mason, and many more. So we invite you to come join us in Nashville on August 24th to 26th. And if you use a coupon code, WAYHOME, you'll get a 20% discount. So go to ERLC.com events and get signed up for the 2017 ERLC National Conference, Christ-Centered Parenting in a Complex World. We live in a very connected world where uh, we're on social media, connected to our friends. We're kind of checking the news, checking Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all the other other places. We have our phones in our pockets. People are texting us all the time. But it does seem like, in spite of all this connectivity, that we're, we're actually, in many ways, more isolated. And there's a lot more loneliness today. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, and that's a fact. Like, uh, Barna Group did research on that. It's so interesting to me. It says that while we're the most relationally connected age in human history, we have not, social media hasn't actually made us feel more connected. It's made us feel more lonely. And the only thing I can think of is that it's because instead of feeling satisfied with the friendships we have, social media constantly makes us look abroad to see where the grass is greener, what other people are doing. And I call this, in my own life, it feels like a drive-by comparison shooting. Hmm. You know, like you're you're perfectly content with how your day is going. You're happy with what's happening in your home. You feel like your kids are so great. You, you open up social media and you start scrolling. Oh, my goodness, here are these women. And they're at an event and I wasn't invited to it. Or here are some writers and they're promoting XYZ thing that I'm not part of. And suddenly I feel less than and what I have feels like it's not enough. And that's just a straight-up lie from the enemy that isn't even original. I mean, Eve is the original mother of FOMO, because there she was in the Garden of Eden, (laughs) just telling God, there's something you've left me out of. I want that, too. 
So I don't think removing social media from our phones is the answer to that. I think it's a, you know, the original question of do we believe who God says we are or are mm. we going to believe the enemy when he tells us we've been left out of something? So for me, it's been a matter of a heart transplant more than transplanting something on or off my phone. It really is an, an issue of identity, isn't it? Like really right. understanding who we are is created in the image of God, right? Right, core identity. I mean, it's why the title of this book I wrote is Never Unfriended. And Mm -hmm. it's an intimidating title to stand behind because as a human being, I don't know if we're capable of living up to that. But I know for certain that there is a God who has promised He would die before He would ever unfriend us. Mm. And then He did. You know, in Deuteronomy, He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's His covenant promise to Israel. And then there comes Jesus to fulfill that with His actual life He lays down in order to live up to that promise. So when we talk about identity, when I know that I am beloved by a God who actually died before He would unfriend me, that core identity is so powerful that I can let that be the filter that I see everything else through that happens around me in social media or, you know, in the church pew next mm-hmm. to me. And and it seems like, you know, sometimes we project, you know, this longing for friendship and intimacy and joy. It seems like we project that onto other humans that then they they just can't fulfill it and we, we come away disappointed by our friendships, right? Absolutely. I think we bring pretty heavy and high expectations into friendships. Actually, this, the book I wrote is divided into these four sections about what, we are, what we're afraid of. And one of the sections says, what can't we do about it? Because there's some things we, we can't actually change. And one of them is we can't expect other people to fill us up. You know, they're just not capable of it. Like someone who's had a bad Tuesday and is tired with her kids. She just cannot be all things we need her to be, and she's not supposed to. I mean, we know that. We know these truisms we've learned at church were created with a God-sized hole that only a God can fill, but the truth of it is sometimes I forget that, and I'm scrolling Facebook looking for, you know, kind of like an approval junkie, you know, I'm kind of shaky looking for my hit of approval or affirmation, and and Facebook can never, just can't live up to it. It's like trying to get skull, you know, trying to get a meat and potatoes meal um, on cotton candy is really the equivalent. And it's only God, like the bread of life. I mean, he says, here I am. And I tell women, the thing about God that's so great is you're never too needy for him. You know, you're never, <laughs> you never have too high expectations. Like he will actually meet every one of those needs and those expectations. And he wants to, and he's equipped to, whereas our friends, because they're human and fallen like we are, they can try and they can love us, but they will never be able to live up to those kind of God-sized expectations. That's really good. I'm, I'm curious, particularly for, for moms and for women, there probably is an increased sense of loneliness. And I want to talk to my wife. You know, she stays home with our kids, homeschools them, does a really incredible job. But there's, there's, a, there's like seasons of life where you feel like you don't get too much interaction with um, – other women and other adults, and there's kind of an increased loneliness there. So how does your book speak to that? And how does Jesus speak to that, uh, those seasons of loneliness? You know, I wish that friends would just fall from the sky into my lap in hard seasons, but unfortunately, that's just not how it works. And friendship really does require showing up in some capacity or another. You know, we can hope people will stop by our house, and maybe sometimes they will, but I have found in seasons of loneliness when my kids were little, or even just as a writer, you spend a lot of time by yourself in your own head, which sometimes is a scary place to spend a lot of time. 
that if I feel lonely, I need to do something about it. And admittedly, it's harder when your kids are little. But I do think that we have to be making deliberate time on the calendar for connecting. And the only way to do it is to be intentional, to schedule it, to say, you know, on Tuesday night, this is the night I meet with my Bible study friends, and that's a non-negotiable in our home. And when we put those mile markers on the calendar, it helps because then the loneliness is diffused by being with other people, by being with the body of Christ. So even if it's just one other mom, even if it's just meeting up at one of those mall playgrounds where the kids can roam around and the mothers can just be alongside somebody else, but it will require us taking some kind of initiative to make it happen in order to meet a need that loneliness really is a warning sign. It's telling you there's a need here that needs to be met. And so I encourage wives to to be really upfront with their husbands about that, because husbands can't always intuit that's what they need. And and usually if we ask and just say, I'm lonely or I need downtime, I need to be away at the end of the night, most husbands are great and will say, go, go do it. But, But we need to ask, you know, we need to actually remember to say, how can I intentionally create this space for this connection in my life? I really encourage people uh, to get your book about uh, Never Unfriended. It's a really timely message in our digital connected but lonely age and uh, just grateful for your work and, and for what you're doing with Encourage. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please let us know by writing a review on iTunes. You can catch previous episodes on danieldarling.com. The Way Home is produced by Gary Lancaster and scheduling by Marie Delph. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention.